Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of The Prime Subjective, a Star Trek podcast where we review, you guessed it, Star Trek. Uh, today, we will be discussing two episodes, one new, one classic, uh, one from Lower Decks, one from Deep Space Nine. Uh, we'll be discussing uh, Lower Decks Season 4, Episode 5, empath- Empathological... Oh, I, oh, I can say this, I promise I can. <laughs> empathological Fallacies. I got it. I nailed it. Yeah. Um, and we also are discussing uh, Deep Space Nine, Season 3, Episode 10, Fascinations. I think with an S? With an S, yes. No mm-hmm. S. Just Fascination. No S. Just Fascination. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> like Barnes and Noble. Fascinated. <laughs> but before we discuss the Trek of the Trek, we're going to discuss the people who are talking about the Trek. Mm, the people of the Trek. The people who are talking about the Trek. The people and of the Trek are the here. The people of the Trek are here and they are Gary Coleman Hinners. I am the person of the Trek. And Michael Henley. I am the person of the Trek as well. <laughs> And we have all formed a, a Dalek syndicate of some kind, it feels like. I don't know. Something's, something's going on there. It's true. Um, which I'm, I'm definitely down with. Um, uh, Carrie, how you doing? Yeah, um, I'm doing pretty good. This past weekend, I was developing a show with the end crowd. I'm the artistic director of the end crowd, the, which is a short form comedy show in Philadelphia. Weekly on Fridays, from what I understand. Weekly on Fridays uh, on East Passyunk. And I uh, developed this sort of uh, uh, show. I call it the End Crowd Open because I put out a um, a form for people to sign up to play. And I just picked people randomly. It wasn't based on uh, anything but numbers of people. <laughs> So uh, it was a competition show and uh, short form competition show. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was really great. We sold out. That's awesome. Everybody was so excited, feeling good. And yeah, I feel good about it, too. That's great. Well, I'm glad glad to hear that. And um, I think it's also perform as well. You can sign up next time. But only if we get picked, though, right? Uh, well, depends on how many people sign up. <laughs> She's like, no guarantees and no favoritism because we have a podcast together. You're <laughs> just in the, in the muck with the rest of the, of the rabble. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. That's good. That keeps, yeah. it, keeps it nice and, um, nice and real. That's good. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I also like, I am so not ac- accustomed to short form because mm-hmm. all we do is long form basically in, in thank you places. Yeah. So well, it's great because the competition isn't you're not being judged on how well you do short form games. Right. It doesn't it actually doesn't even matter if you know the game. I zapped works. when I was supposed to zip yeah. or stop. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. So uh yeah. Um uh I developed I'm gonna use the word develop because it makes me sound like I I was working in a lab. For a long time on this doing a lot of research <laughs> um uh relationship emotion activity and location so those are four criteria points for real. an improv scene yeah real so all you got to do to win the show is keep it real <laughs> <laughs> i love that relationship Emotion, emotion activity, activity location location okay so I like that. we pick judges from the audience four judges not the whole audience so only uh each judge is voting just based on that one thing so you have the relationship judge and emotion judge mm. etc so um you could get like a five in emotion and a one in activity because you were very emotion emotional, but you didn't do anything. Right. It was one <laughs> note the whole time. You were just like crying on stage. You didn't like. You didn't even know you were at an improv show. You were just you crying You didn't on stage. even like have any object work. You didn't even mime taking something out of a box. So you're not. You don't even very... do a terrible broom where the top of the handle's here, yeah. the bottom of the handle's down there. You didn't, even, you, know? you didn't even pretend to sweep the stage. So you're not going to get any points for that. <laughs> That's so that's funny. what the show is all about. 
And I love that. That's awesome. really cool. And that's that that's now going to be like a, a common thing and thing you do like weekly. And we're gonna do it a regular thing. We're still discussing um how regular. We haven't worked that out yet, but it's like my tummy having discussion with Metamucil. How regular are we going to be <laughs> this it's week? It's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Well, that's awesome, Carrie. I'm really glad to hear that. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Michael Henley, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing uh, wonderful. I'm doing uh, amazing. I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I I just bought a thesaurus. So um, um, (laughs) I love that joke. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I'm doing uh, real, real good. Uh, Me and my other um, me and my other half are planning a trip up to New York, see some shows. Uh, we're very excited. It's fall time. I love it. The weather is cha- finally changing in Philly. I love that. That's Just great. took the dog for a walk in the brisk and had my windbreaker on. I'm like, ah, October. Yeah, this is where it's at. I am happy as a clam right now. It definitely feels like fall. But wait, what shows are you going to go see? <clears throat> we are trying to go to see Hades Town, And nice. we also have a second kind of mystery pick that we're not 100% uh, positive on. Cool. Yeah. Uh, we I'm going up. T- I'm- Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. Oh, no, I was, we are tempted to, well, maybe more to the point, I'm tempted and she's indifferent, which means we probably won't. But um, I know that there is a off-Broadway play right now uh, called The Shark Is Not Working, which is yeah. about the making of Jaws, uh, which was written by Robert Shaw's son. And I'm a huge That's Jaws cool. fan. So I'm like, that sounds Isn't he also awesome. in it playing his father? He plays his father. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so cool. So that sounds amazing. Um, I, you know, I'm stopping short of trying to talk someone else into it. Um, but, uh, you know, that's. I think coercing way. someone into seeing a play is not like a war crime. I think it's OK. Oh, well, you know, I just don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't like unless to do that, that play is a nonsense, too, in which case, yes, you have this, committed an atrocity. This, did they do a this, nonsense, too? Wait, what? Oh, yeah, they've done a nonsense, too. Actually, I don't I don't want to shit on it. Nonsense, too, is pretty good, too. There's also nonsense. Amen, which where all the nuns are by men um so there's a lot of fun you can have you know you know this reminds me of that episode of uh strange new worlds where mbenga kills that guy that war crime (laughs) yeah this is exactly because he coerced him into seeing king lear and uh yeah yeah. it was a real it was a real really burned about it um the exact plot yeah that's exactly right well, Carrie, as you know, nonsense is habit forming. That's what people say. Do you get the joke there? Habit forming. Anyway, that's <laughs> nonsense. I will say, it sounds like a, a schlocky kind of show, but it is actually a lot of fun. And there's the first a DVD... one's pretty fun, yeah. Yeah, there's a DVD of the first one, and the and Mother yeah. Superior is played by Rue McClanahan. That's right. And she basically oh. on stage pretends to do poppers and not as a nun, not knowing what they are. It's wonderful. It's very good. Um, <laughs> highly recommend. Um, <laughs> I know I can only think of my other favorite lyric from that show, which is from Sister Mary Ro- Miss, Miss Mary Amnesia, the one who forgot who forgets who she is. She th- sings how she used to want to be a country star, and she sings like, "I'd sing songs like Dolly Parton, I'd songs like Loretta Lynn, um, and a Deluxe Way in Obago that I would travel in." Uh, <laughs> and she also <laughs> sings sing songs like. Drop kick me Jesus through the goalpost of life. It's just a really good, a really good, weird, fun show. Um, and that's enough of a diversion there, uh, digression. Um, and if it was playing, I'd see nonsense. But I'm going up in November to see some shows with my friend Eric. Oh, you know, Eric Thomas, who's on the podcast. We're going to go see some shows. We're having Miss Piggy's Go to New York weekend. And I'm going to go see um, Merrily We Roll Along uh, with um harry potter and uh i mean sorry daniel mm-hmm. <laughs> what's his name daniel radcliffe and um those other folks and my friend jacob's in that my friend jacob keith watson's in that then we're also going to go see how to dance in ohio which is also a really cool show that my other friend jacob wrote so it's gonna be a fun time wow wow yeah i'm excited you guys know a lot you guys know a lot about shows that are happening <laughs> <laughs> i do not uh, well, you know, we're all, we're all we're all doing what we're, we're going to do. I only know about these uh, shows because I I you know I'm a theater person and I'm you know I'm into mm-hmm. that stuff. We've well, established I, you hate theater, so <laughs> that's why I know nothing about it. <laughs> yeah. I I only I only know about the many of these shows because I have a cheat code because I used to yeah because I you know grew up and still am like really into movies and now three quarters of Broadway shows are based on movies. So. That's very true. Very, uh, very I, true. 
Can I just say I'm struggling with the fact that Back to the Future is my favorite musical, it's, excuse me, movie of all time. And when I heard they're making a musical of it, I'm just they like, are they made it's, it? It's on, it's on Broadway. It's on now. Broadway right now. Yeah. yeah. Really? Right now. Yes. That, that makes me go, cool, great. That's awesome. How do we I feel no about desire. it? I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I have to work up a generous helping of indifference, basically, in order to feel anything about it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm. I'm also. Uh, I'm of the. It could be cool. It, it could, could be cool. Be. There, there, there are some movies that would translate well to being a musical, but this one just feels like it bent over backwards a little bit to make it. I mean, I don't know. I haven't heard any of the music. Maybe the music is good. And and I think my favorite one that I saw. I haven't seen as many as as you guys, but I really love Legally Blonde to the musical. Legally <laughs> Blonde is a good, it's actually such very a good one. It's, it's so it, good. I, I think that I think that show is actually better than the movie. Yes. Yeah. So it, it absolutely can. The show is very good. Yes. 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 Uh, I said to my partner the other day, "It's like you know what? I would love to see like." Let's take like a movie that maybe wasn't 100 percent, you know, successful or wasn't like a big box office and turn that into a show. Like, I would love it if they did mm. like a that thing you do, the musical. I think mm-hmm. that would be awesome. Um, and I, I love that movie, you know, but it's also it's just kind of like a, you know, as opposed to just like this is one of the most popular movies of all time. Let's turn it into a show. It's like Lord, okay, of, cool. Lord of the Rings, the, Hob- the Hobbit. They've done that. And, and, and <laughs> they have they've done, done that. They have Lord of the Rings yeah. musical. And yeah. Yeah. They, they've got opera? a lot of things. There's it's like opera, strange. It? Is it an opera? Maybe. Oh, you mean the ring cycle from Bob? Yeah. No, 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 no. I, 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 I realize that's what it sounds like, but no, like different, definitely different. But Maybe. I, I, I that's what I thought. It could be. I don't. I, I don't. I don't know. I could be wrong. Um. I mean, it, that's just. It's a sure thing to get people interested in seeing something if they already have some buy-in on the IP. You know what I mean? That's Which true. is true. It's true. But everything's IP now, so it's. Just, I know. I know. I know. I know. But they are making a Death Becomes for musical, and that one I will watch because oh, I'm wait, they it. are. They are, yes. Okay, that that's, would be good. That's that would be great. great. That's great. Yeah, that's, great. yeah, yeah. I could see that because you can you open the same way as the movie. You open in with on mm-hmm. Madeline Ashton in Sweet Bird of Youth, the musical called Songbird, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that Maybe. is a movie that's so built on performance um you know like i mean and special effects but also like those actors were cast for a very specific reason so you know i could i could see that working as a musical very well but bro yeah i just think also every single person not just those stars but every single actor in that movie was well cast because like oh, every yeah. line lives in my brain rent free like you, you know isabella isabella rossellini delivering all, she's so good and then mm-hmm. even the first line of the whole movie, which is a woman leaving that theater going, Madeline Ashton, talk about waking the dead. And that just sits in my brain <laughs> as a... Oh, wow. Um, I haven't she, seen that movie in her so long. I haven't seen it I watched so it long. like once every weekend for like every, for the entire year of like 1993, basically. <laughs> and my parents were surprised when I came out of the closet. <laughs> uh, so we should get there. Uh, we should test the water for lead, I guess. Oh, we thought you really liked ladies. <laughs> <clears throat> you love these you think there's you beautiful love women. the ladies you've always loved the ladies though <laughs> yeah yeah i also loved singing the entire score of my fair lady as eliza doolittle at the age of eight but yes yeah. i loved the ladies um but that's neither here nor there and certainly not about star trek oh. which is what we're here to discuss yeah. um so why don't we dive into um these episodes Jeez. um Jeez. and shall we start with the classique with um with you space that's right. Yes, because one kind of contextualizes the other to it. I think you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Mm -hmm. So the horny crew, I'm sorry, the crew of Deep Space Nine is preparing for the Bajoran Gratitude Festival. As Major Kira is getting ready to perform the opening ceremony, she becomes distracted by the arrival of her boyfriend, Vedic Burail. Meanwhile, Miles O'Brien welcomes his wife Keiko back to the station during a break from her research job on Bajor. The Waxana Troy arrives and begins looking for Odo, claiming to have developed feelings for him since the last time she was aboard the station. As the festival gets underway, Luoxana suffers strange headaches that come and go. Each time she experiences one, the people around her seem momentarily disoriented and then experience just lust for one and they then experience lust for one another co-worker, friend, or acquaintance. Those affected include Jake Sisko, who professes his love for Major Kira, Vedic Burial, who pursues Jadzia Dax, and Dax herself attempts to seduce Station Commander Benjamin Sisko. Uh, Major Kira and Julian Bashir seem to be the only people who are affected so that their lust is requited. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Meanwhile, 
Keiko tells Miles that her job on Bajor has been extended and will last another seven months. Miles asks her to stay on Deep Space Nine, regretting that he helped her find the job in the first place. Offended, Keiko storms away and returns to their quarters. Miles contrite follows her home. He apologizes and offers to resign his commission if necessary and live with Keiko wherever she prefers. The two reconcile at a party hosted by Commander Sisko that evening. At the party, Dax becomes annoyed that Baryal's attention is distracting her from her pursuit of Commander Sisko, and as a result, punches him. When Quark arrives with the catering and bumps into Luaxana, who is having another headache, he is also affected and grabs Keiko and insists that she be his mm-hmm. love. I mean, th- th- he rubbed his ears on her in such an uncomfortable way. Uh, <laughs> I loved her face when that happened. Her, she was, was perfect. Yeah, it was a perfect yeah. face. Everyone then realizes that Loxana, a telepathic betazoid, is affecting them somehow. Bashir cures her xanthi fever, an illness that makes her project her amorous impulses on the people surrounding her. He announces that everyone else should return to normal soon. Meanwhile, the two who belong together, the O'Briens, have made up and are enjoying each other's company again. Um, yeah. yeah, and that's fascination. Yeah. This is what? very Shakespeare. Uh, oh, yeah. M- uh, Midsummer Night's Dream version of. Uh, pure Midsummer Night's Dream. Dream. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, did you mention this episode is directed by Avery Brooks? Oh, I didn't. Would it make sense? So there's a Shakespearean sort of. He's a Shakespearean yeah. actor. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I was. It was a whimsical, a type of whimsy that we don't get on Deep Space Nine a lot. You know, certainly not in the later seasons yeah. when we're just knee deep in the Dominion War. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, but I, I really enjoyed it, and I, I, I was. It was nice. Always nice to see Luxana Troy, um, work her. You know old school magic on people there's a lot uh, of love triangles you know there that i love the show starts out with jake cisco mm-hmm. um mourning his loss of his older dabo girl girlfriend right he's um, gone to like they, study somewhere yeah mm-hmm. they make jake cisco such a uh a lover <laughs> So a lover of the ladies. Um like I don't know what I'm saying, but I had to pause the show when he got to the part where he was confessing his love for Kira because it's so good. Like the scene is so good, it makes me uncomfortable (laughs) a little bit. Like I have to pause it and remind myself these are actors also. It happened a long time ago. You, I, I watch that scene and I almost wish like uh, uh, Kira is doing the responsible, respectable thing where she's trying to let him down gently and she's very perplexed about what's happening. Yeah. Um, and I almost would love it more if she was more just like matter of fact and like kind of rude, you know? Mm. Yeah, maybe. I don't, or maybe that would be more uncomfortable. I'm not sure. No. I, I think maybe she's caught off guard because it's clear that she's come into the festival and Baral's visit really excited about how much sex she's going to have with Baral. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, I yeah. I was reading this whole yeah. episode. She's yeah. like, I'm going to I'm going to be with my lover. I'm going to have a lot. Of... She has her <clears throat> the the very sexual version of her hair, which is like little like Liza Minnelli tendrils yeah. sort of like mm-hmm. going on. Um I mean, yeah, I, w- I would be uh, disappointed and then uh, disappointed and then annoyed to be like, okay, the person I loved is not it. But once again, very Midsummer Night's Dream. It's very, sure. you know. I, uh, Major Kara, the character is so, and her character is so intense with her backstory when she's just so happy and she's smiling. It unsettles me. <laughs> a little I, bit. No, I agree completely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. We're yeah. not used to it. Yeah. But it's nice. It's uh, nice to see you're just like, wait, aren't you supposed to be like weighted down by 14 chips on both shoulders by what you've experienced already in your lifetime? Mm-hmm. But no, she's uh she's there. I think and, it's I, love. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's partially I I forget if they explain this in dialogue too, but you know how in especially in the early episodes, there's a lot of references to the fact that you know, the Bajorans really lost their innocence when the Cardassians came in, you know, and how they were, they were artists and they were scientists, you know, but they weren't, you know, they, they, they didn't do weapons or anything. So like, and I think this episode is one of the few 
that even though it's set in the present day, it does kind of give you a taste oh, I of, see. you know, Bajoran custom and, you know, what their heritage is kind of like, where it's very, it's, it's, it's very hippie kind of for lack of a What's kind of Ricean almost. Kind of Ricean. Yeah. Like the, 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 the costuming, the festival, the, you know, mm-hmm. the intonation that, that it, it, mm-hmm. it feels very, you know, it, it's, it's, it has, it's got a lot of imports to it, but it's very, it's the, it's the do what you feel festival, you know? Um, it yeah. is the do what you feel festival. Yeah. <laughs> what are they so, writing? So, so. What are they writing on these? um letters that they're putting into the fire is it um hopes and dreams is it it things they're letting go of yeah things they're they're letting letting go go of i believe yeah but you get that great scene then with jadzia and what is that weird alien's name that's so funny um who says Uh, nothing but it's yeah Yeah. and she's like we can burn this we have to burn this yeah. immediately, Morn. I can't believe yeah. you, you're dealing with all this stuff. We have to burn there it right now. <laughs> the running joke, Morn has never had said a line, but he's apparently, he never shuts up. Um, <laughs> right. It was, I felt awkward when Kira and Bashir were making out their characters. I was like, oh, that's awkward. And then I remembered that they were probably ma- married in real life while this was um be filming and then i was like well now this feels awkward for a different reason were they really married in real life uh yeah. i don't think they were married in real life at I'm, that point yeah they, um, were. they have a child together they they do but but i mean they, they i i don't think at this point at this in the point, production of the i think of the they show, got think. married and divorced during the whole time deep space nine uh was i had no idea I think they got married they definitely they definitely did, yeah. Uh, got get divorced by the time the show. And ended. she only has one child, right? With him, I believe. I don't know. I think yes. they have a child together. Let's look it up. Nana visitor, yeah. baby. All I know is I know her current husband because he was the he worked at the production company that puts on Chicago the Musical, and he's the person I negotiated my first ever Broadway contract with. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> Which is very strange. So then when I went and saw her at the um Diver- diversity equity inclusion con here in philly and i saw him i was like oh i was like oh there's matthew there's her. and i was like hey matthew we, we've talked on the phone before about numbers <laughs> and yeah. we struck up a conversation which is very funny but yeah um the the, what a small the world. well when she was married to alexander siddig yeah. she she do, they do have a son and when she was pregnant on the show she was pregnant with his son yes that's why they wrote it in. And yeah, yeah but on the show pregnant with Brian and Keiko's son. Yes. Or child. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But actually, Alexander Siddig's son. <laughs> love it. I love that. That's so funny. So, so yeah, I don't know. They were probably together. Maybe this episode is what sparked their relationship. Hey, I bet they had a good time. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't Yeah. I, I I like their to booths, find out their like, booths were definitely far away from each other at the con. I will say that. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. No. Uh, I like to hear when people are get together, but then I get sad when I hear that they um, uh, separated. And even if it happened like 20, 30 years ago, like, right. oh, they broke up. That's they've. They could have it, both moved on with their lives, different relationships. And I'm like, I'm still sad about that. It yeah. makes the show feel especially like a time capsule. Probably for them, even more so than us. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I would uh, remember that when the people I don't know personally basically did. I wonder how they feel about it differently. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's so weird. Um, I, 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 do you get the sense? I feel like this is so okay. So there's this great Avery Brooks quote that I have here, basically, that I just want to because he, he directed this episode. He comes in with a lot of came in with a lot of pith and vinegar, I think. And um uh Avery Brooks gave his evaluation of this episode. I guess it was over the top, but what is over the top after all? If you're having a pint of Guinness and you see the foam pouring over the top, you think that's great. Uh, uh-huh. But in a television episode, there's this concern about action being too large. It all comes down to rhythm, whether a scene has it or not. Uh, I especially, I, I especially like him comparing it to uh, to a yeah. beer that's that's foaming over the froth and Guinness. Glass. Yeah, yeah, I really think. That's, <laughs> but I, also I think to really music, fun. he's also comparing it to music too, like the rhythm. Yes. He's into interested in rhythms. 
Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I feel like, because I remember when this episode aired and this was very divisive. And keep in mind, this is season three, DS9. This is when for a lot of people, the show has not really earned its stripes yet. You know, even mm. uh, a couple of years in, it's more just like, you know, what are we doing with this? It wasn't until the war crystallized that people, a lot of people kind of turned they around. They say and, this about all of these Star Trek yeah. shows. Like they only, now, always pick up yeah. in the fourth season, but also that just seems so not fair. Why do they have well, to? And, and, and something that. that does not exist for TV shows anymore. Cause you don't really, you're not really guaranteed, yeah. you know, yeah. seven, yeah, seven seasons of 26 episodes a piece. It's no, no longer yeah. a, um, yeah. Crazy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a, this is a controversial statement about not just Deep Space Nine, but about all TV shows. And I'm perfectly as guilty of this as anybody. But when someone says um, the show got good in like the third or fourth season, it I feel like, good. I feel like a quarter of the time they're maybe correct, arguably. And three quarters of the time, what they're actually saying is I learned how to like the show in like oh. the third or fourth season. Mm-hmm. That, might yeah. be, that might be a controversial statement. I'm no, sure. I could see that. Some I came to shows, an understanding. Yeah, some shows build up, some, sh- and then you start to get like uh, the, we talked about the Expanse. I felt sort of that way about yeah. the Expanse. It, mm-hmm. I always yeah. liked it, but I had to watch a lot of it to get like excited about it. Yeah, some shows teach you how to like them. I think. <laughs> Some boyfriends teach you how to like relationships. I think it's literally true. Where you, well, yeah, absolutely. Like something yeah. is in your life long enough, week in, week out. And eventually you're just like, oh, I, I, I like what this is. I, I like how this is here for me, you know? Yeah. That's another thing we don't really have too much anymore in the streaming age where it's just like, yeah, oh, here's a season of a show, you know? Um, There's some shows that are streaming that are still teaching me that like we've got... um like like wheel of time like we because they've been doing it but they've gone episode by episode it's mm-hmm. what has brought us back to mm-hmm. being like oh is it is there a new wheel of time this week we're very excited about that also british bake off is that way too so mm-hmm. i do appreciate when it forces you not to just you know piece the, mm-hmm. do, do the whole thing you know um all at once because you you lose a lot when you are like binging eight hours of a tv show yeah. on a saturday I- See, I've been watching The Wheel of Time, and I'm not sure if I like it. I've watched the whole thing, and I still don't know if I like it. But I feel like I have to keep watching it because I've already invested the time. Now I need to find out what happens. I just like watching those women be badasses and, like, channel energy. And, you know, it's just fucking cool, you know. I I just like Rosamund Pike. I like her, too. They made her very – her character, I think, is – is very unlikable (laughs) in this Mm. season for the Mm. better part of this season just because she's, like – you know, adrift, cut off from the one power and like being rude to everybody, mm-hmm. still trying to make her goals happen. And yeah, they've, they've definitely at the end of the season, they brought her back around and I'm I'm on board with her again. But like, I was like, geez, can we just have one little inkling of a thing so we can like her a little bit more? <laughs> I guess we could we could spend a whole episode talking about. Wheel of Time. Uh, Wheel of Time. <laughs> yeah, somehow we spun from a, yeah, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> or once again, as Paul calls it, as the wheel turns. Um, yes. I think it's, um, I, but, you know, I, I, yeah. You go ahead, sorry. Oh, I, I was just going to uh, switch back and say that I like the Odo and the Waxana relationship. I, I like too. that relationship yeah. a lot. Uh, well, he's yeah. also nicer to her than he is to anyone else. He is, yeah. yeah. And and it's not the same thing as when Luxana comes on the Enterprise and Picard is like, get away from me, you know? Like, right. I have to diplomatic, yeah. make, diplomatically separate myself. Um, yeah. Odo is more empathetic to her. He yeah. is less, um, you know, exasperated by her. Um, he's still, like, sometimes embarrassed and sometimes like, oh, well, did you have to say that? You know, like, but, like, it's, right. you know, and, and he's touched by... She has a line referencing the fact that at this point in the show, Odo has learned where he comes from um, right. and that, you know, and the, the changelings are up to no good. And he is kind of quietly touched by that, I think. Um, yeah, I, I wish we had gotten more Odo Loxana episodes over the course of the series. I think we only get like, I think we discussed this last week. We think we only get three and this is. Yeah, I think two, it's three. three. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's the Forsaken the, uh, and the Muse are the other two. Yep. Yeah. But they they sort of encapsulate it well, though. It doesn't leave you wanting, like, too much more. It's like, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah they have a nice cap on that. Um, 
And I, I really empathize with maybe with Miles and Keiko <laughs> now as a married person. <laughs> but I get I get kind of annoyed that they are like fighting all the time. Like well, we never get like a O'Brien and Keiko's happy episode. It's always like yeah. you know there's, marital there's just discord. showing the marriage the marital strife that they always have. Right. But, you yeah. know, um I and that they make up at the end of this episode. They show their love for each other. Um and I like that. Um, I, heard, yeah. I heard a comic say once that, you know, when you um, when you become really annoyed with somebody, that can be a sign of actually deeper intimacy because you're <laughs> you're allowing yourself yeah. to like lift the veil and see things, even things you don't necessarily like about that person, but you still yeah. be there about them. Be kind of know? raw. Yeah. Yeah. Part the rich broth of intimacy, you know. It's true. Sometimes you're the meanest to the people that you love the most because yeah. you just mm-hmm. you feel so emotionally connected to them that you they become a part of yourself right <laughs> right so i know this episode is this moves episode it moves pretty well at a pace you know because there's lots of little, yeah. little different love triangles that kind of drop in but all i can think watching this episode especially as i think it wears on sleeve it's um you know uh relationship to midsummer night's dream and i'm reading memory alpha right now and lo and behold they definitely cite it as just like yeah we were thinking about this a lot i feel like it's a missed opportunity that we didn't have uh that this wasn't a crossover episode because we really should have had dr crusher's theater troupe coming by deep space nine trying to perform trying to perform a play because i so want the pyramus and thisbe you know whatever that is yeah this material the wall Um, yeah 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 yeah. i love love pyramus and thisbe (laughs) i've done two musical versions of midsummer night's dream both both the musical and the opera and I played Oberon in both of them, King of the Fairies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the first time as a 14-year-old in high school, I was King of the Fairies in the musical. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, got made fun of to hell mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's because also they made it a 50s duo. So it's something that only exists in Southern New Jersey. <laughs> but they made it like a 50s duop theme. And so like wow. okay. Helena sang Wishing and Hoping and um, Demetrius mm. sang Goodness Gracious Great Balls of Fire. But they mm. wrote an original song for Oberon called "It's Hard to Be a Fairy Today." Oh and my gosh! It goes a little something. Oh, <laughs> like oh gosh! Oh no! It goes do a do a. It's hard to be a fairy today. Do a do a. April showers bring the flowers of May. It just it was just a very like weird. Right. Why yeah. am I fourteen years old singing about how hard it is to be a fairy? And there was yeah. some reference to Bill Clinton. And and don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> I didn't realize what it was until like ten years later. Oh, uh, and the one of the like the English teacher in your school wrote it or something like that. No, I think they were. I think it was written for um, the Ritz in Oakland, which I don't think is very far from you, Carrie, where you are now. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-mm, it isn't. And uh, um, and then and then I think that our my, our teacher had been in that in like the eighties, and then she was like, "Well, this is great. Let's just do this with these kids." And I mean, it was fun. I mean, it was fun. It was very weird, but um, you know. And then oh, and then of course the the main theme, the main chorus was in the middle of the summer at the end of the day when the dull edge of night seems to tuck you away, your mind drifts off in the shadow scheme. Hang on to yourself. It's midsummer night's dream. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh huh. Um... Really special. Really special. So yeah. I. I have a I have a deep connection to Midsummer because I've seen so many different versions of it that you know it lives in my brain in a lot of different ways, um, which I love. And now there's here's a new one. <laughs> <laughs> mm. This could have been the, their musical episode if they. Really I was thinking that to... <laughs> could have. it could have do yeah, that. Sure could have. This, this would have been that. Um, <laughs> how do you think they felt? They all were uh, with each other. How do you think they all acted with each other like the day after this? Yeah, that would have been. <laughs> yeah, that. Um, I feel like the only ones who would be awkward maybe would be would have been maybe maybe Terry Farrell and Avery Brooks, but maybe not. Maybe they're fine. And I mean, yeah, you know, in Star Trek, you can just blame everything on some alien mishap or yeah. transporter accident, yeah. and you're forgiven. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. easy. 
to do. It's pretty nice. It's 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 pretty nice. It's a great get out of jail free card. Yeah. You know? I do bet I do bet that Nana Visitor and Sirak Lofton felt awkward around each other. Sure. She was an actual child. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Coming on to her in the show. <laughs> oh wow. That could be. He well, was so we, good at that. It's you, Narice. I love he, you. He was it was very good. He's he's <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that. it was very good. And we're talking about the Xanthi fever. We're <laughs> gonna talk about the Xanthi fever again. But it reminded me of the previous episode of Enterprise that we watched, where why is every single race oh, yeah. affected oh, by yeah. mm-hmm. this other t- telepathic race? Yeah, our little our little primate brains can't handle the extra telepathic juices. Yeah. It just makes us real horny. Yeah. <laughs> well, should we and should we talk about... about? Yeah, yeah, we should. We should. We should. We definitely should. Well, but, but do you but get your, get your thought in there before we, we move on? <laughs> um, I was reading something about this show and it reminded me that uh, are Ferengis susceptible to telepathy? Anyway, just thought I would put out that's there. a good Ferengi point. Susceptible that's, to telepathy. That's a really good point because Betazoids cannot read Ferengis. That is canon. Right. That's uh, been established multiple times at the plot point more than once. Yeah. So the fact yeah. that yeah. she can project onto a Ferengi <laughs> is very interesting. I feel like you also said it like a Ferengi would. It's it's canon. Canon. It, <laughs> canon. Canon for it's human. Canon, you human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Well, and then we'll have more Ferengi in the next Lower Decks episode we discuss, which is so fun. We sure will. Yeah. Very excited about that. But first, let's talk about this uh, episode five of Lower Decks, Empathological Fallacies. Um, The Cerritos escorts three boisterous Betazoid diplomats. Talyn finds their behavior and her time on the ship distasteful and drafts a message requesting to be allowed to return to her former ship. The Cerritos crew begin behaving in an unhinged manner, and Freeman suspects the Betazoids have xanthi fever, just like the episode we just watched in Space Nine, a telepathic disease that affects others' emotions. The Betazoids object. The Betazoids, objecting to Freeman's treatment of them, reveal themselves as undercover intelligence officers and seize control of the ship. Uh, Talyn realizes that her conflicting emotions over her transfer are being telepathically projected to the ship, which further convinces her that she is a failure as a Vulcan. Mariner helps restore restore her self-confidence, which helps Talyn quell her emotions and return the crew to normal. She does not send her message. Meanwhile, an overtaxed Boimler goes to train with a security team, but finds their activities to be silly recreational games. He later witnesses the security crew easily handle the Betazoid threat, Shax tells Boimler they were trying to help him relax since being a protector also means protecting the crew's mental state. Before leaving, the Betazoid agents share an image of the mysterious vessel that has been attacking other ships. Um, and those those three Betazoids are played by um, <clears throat> Janelle James from um, from Abbott Elementary, Rachel Dratch mm-hmm. from A Million Things, but most specifically mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live. And then Wendy Malick from yeah. um, from Just, Just Shoot Me, me. and among, yeah. among many other things as well. A sitcom queen. All sitcom queens, yes. really. You know? yeah. um, mm-hmm. They were all great. Oh, it's great to have them there. All, all, all giving great, great performances, I thought. Very, very lively, very energetic, very uh, fun. Um, and I think this is maybe the first proof we've gotten in Star Trek that think we we have not known many betazoids outside of loxana troy so right. to see these three in this episode really makes it it makes it feel like you know with all due respect well you know to you know all of them including loxana it's just like well there's a template you know there's definitely right. uh you know um they're 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 they're, they're they got similar characteristics mm-hmm. they, they like pleasure and they're horny and it's great <laughs> mm-hmm. i um I really want a it's Romulan ale o'clock somewhere hat. And where do I get mm-hmm. one of those? And yes. maybe I have to make one myself. You might have to make one. Although I don't know, people are getting craftier and craftier. And um I think just give give it a quick little Etsy scan. It might be there already. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, you never know. I'm already seeing Moopsie shirts everywhere. So 
Yep. Um, <laughs> Moopsie. <see. laughs> on, on, on Etsy, you see a lot of them. Uh-huh. Uh, Moopsie, yeah. I loved the security team getting together for games. And even though that was so ridiculous, it's something that I can, maybe because of the people that I uh, travel in circles with, I could see that happening in an Mm -hmm. actual thing. Even though it's like, we're just getting together for games. Got charades. We got uh, slam poetry. Uh, we're going to read some tarot cards to each other. <laughs> I love that we still have slam poetry. Gonna, we're going to play some Settlers of Catan. Mm-hmm. That would have been funny if they did something like that. I would have laughed at that. Ah, yeah, the son of Moog. Clang goes the batleth against the armor of your heart. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed the, that. That's what the slam. Worf, I had to look it up. Worf, Worf, Worf. Torn between worlds, a warrior, no, a farm boy. <laughs> yeah, that one got me good. <laughs> I do love, you know, the 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 classic disdain that most comedians have for slam poetry or poetry in general. Because this is like the, I don't know, third or fourth time there's been like a, a poetry in a bad way reference. Like when a mm-hmm. mariner went to that girl's night. And one of yeah. the uh, ladies there is also doing some form of slam poetry. Oh man, if they did it twice on this show, you know it's going to happen another a third. Time. Oh yeah, a third like, time. It will come back. It's the comedy rule of three. Yeah, it's I, come you back. can't do it without doing it three because it feel it feels wrong. You feel like yeah. you go to bed at night and you're like, I don't feel right. Something's off, and then you it's realize just... it's because lower decks only did the joke twice and not three times. And you realize it's it's because it's not just father and son, it's father and son and holy ghost. Okay? So it's always got to be <laughs> It's always got to be three. Three things. Three things. Um No, but it was fun and I I um it's also fun to see everyone be so unhinged and a lot of like very horny people in the background. There's definitely a gay couple like borderline having sex in the background in one of I the know they were yeah they were really oh yeah <laughs> there was sex on this episode I was like representation <laughs> thank you for <laughs> making us the horniest people in the background that was great um and like Mariner realizing that she's even even she is like out of control she's like wait what I'm not what what's going on <laughs> like you know it's definitely fun it does. I, I, the Talyn has a line where she says, someone asks, you know, like, why am I, why am I, you know, angry and shouting? And, and she says, like, everyone on this crew all the time is angry and shouting, which really does, you know, <laughs> when something like this is happening, it takes longer to notice that something like this is happening than it does on. Yeah. Days. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Everybody's crazy. I like, I like when she was just pressing send and nothing was happening because that is also something very <laughs> realistic. Because I'm like, oh man, I don't have any internet connection, but I'll keep refreshing the page anyway. Right. It's like, I don't have, I still don't have any internet. And then she even had a moment where she was like looking connection. away from it and like leaving it alone and then coming back to it to do it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we're, we're <laughs> to Lynn. She's just like us, you know? Yeah. She's a great character. She's too emotional for the vulture. She is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I, um, I, I, you know, I, I think she's such a great addition. I love how we end with this kind of, she's more entrenched, you know, with the Cerritos more than ever, basically she chooses to stay. Um, and this is such a clever because, um, so this episode is referencing two different things. One is the, uh, Xanthi fever, uh, that we just discussed in, in, uh, the, in fascination. And the other is Bendai syndrome, which is a Vulcan, uh, mm. uh, uh, disease, which uh, Ambassador Sarek had, who gets name dropped in this episode. Mariner mm-hmm. mentions him, um, and that episode is called Sarek. It's in Next Generation, and basically the exact same thing happens where uh, he boards the ship, and all of a sudden, people all over, um, you know, start acting out, climaxing with a beautiful brawl in Ten Forward that is very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the fact that both of these episodes are, you know, kind of using weird alien physiology to kind of make something happen. And that's kind of a Star Trek stock and trade. And I thought it was really neat that, um, you know, I I thought it was neat that this episode is all about them, you know, thinking it's one, you know, thing. And actually it's another, if only because, you know, they're both 
conceits that were written by a writer at the time just be like I got to figure out a way to make the episode work and here they're in yeah. direct like kind of conflict with each other you know what I mean it's like it's mm-hmm. like they're, they're, they're kind of it's kind of becomes this little joke on how you know there are so many of these kind of plot device things that you know consigned to alien physiology that it's tough to even understand which one is happening at the same time it's like a traffic jam. Right. I really like that Maybe yeah. we should have watched the um, Sarek episode instead of the Xanthi fever episode. That Sarek episode watch. bums me out because it's like at the end of his life, basically, though, right? Yeah, like it's he, kind but of it's, sad. Yeah, it's, it's not the episode where he dies, but it's one of the last times we see him. And it's got a uh, amazing Patrick Stewart performance when he kind of absorbs um, Sarek's um, right. you know, unhinged emotions. Um, so it's, 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 it's kind of a tough sit at times, but it's beautifully acted. Yeah. Maybe I, maybe I will rewatch that. It's I do really like good. the really good episode. I do like the lower decks device they now have of the captain. These things that you were just talking about, like the well, we know that you know the Xanthi fever exists. Like, she's like, are you sure that's not what's going on? Are you sure your your telepathics uh, <laughs> is not affecting us? Just like in the in the arms of Exelon, she was like, are you sure this computer is not subjugating the whole yeah. planet? Or you know, like, <laughs> uh, I mean, we gotta eliminate these possibilities before we move on. Thank it God. does bring up a good point, bases. though. You it know, does bring up a good point, though, that um, the... sure. Um... <laughs> Where'd Chris go? Is he still there? Did we lose Chris? Oh no, Chris has become a blank screen. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm Phew. here. Okay. Phew. Oh no, keep going. He's here. Okay, we'll keep going. Uh, I was. I was saying it brings up a good point. That, I'm here. Yeah, keep, uh, keep going. Can you hear us? Can you hear us in a oh. timely fashion? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I can hear you. Oh, okay, good. I think so. Um, can you hear me? It just, yes. You are definitely it lagging. Just, it's just that you answer us about like a, a minute after we ask you. So we think that. Okay, well then. Yeah. All right, well, then, then maybe you guys should land the plane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, where's the black box? Or, or, um, or we might we might resync as we keep going, so. Yeah, keep talking. Um, oh, wait, you're moving again. You're moving yeah, again. Yeah, there you go. Mm. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> Why don't Star Trek captains um, know about this stuff? She's the only Star Trek captain who seems to have history of uh, Starfleet. Um, that's why they're logs, okay? That's it's, why the captains right. write it's, logs. It's true, but also there's so much we to know. know these you know, things. there's mm-hmm. so it's much to much. know, and I it's and I think much. it's it's interesting that every time that um uh that that she uh, every time I can think of where she does have one of those kind of thoughts, basically where it's like it must be this. She's actually incorrect, or she's not. It's not the full story, or you know something like that. So like. I hear what you're saying, but also like I feel like they they keep making the points. It's like, yeah, you think it's one thing, but it's, but it's 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 this other. You got to look a little bit more closer. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. It just, I, just feels like it feels like a hard job, honestly. To to you know, in in our actual reality, AI is getting very scary, and mm-hmm. Star Trek has been very good at predicting a lot. But I think that they haven't. I think they're going to have, if they move forward, star, if Star Trek keeps making more episodes and series, they may have to start incorporating more AI in or references or tech into the show. Because n- nowadays, I guess I had a ship, if I have a ship, a boat, or so- a car or something, my car could reference uh if i had ai hooked up to my car i'm just saying i don't have mm-hmm. ai hooked up to my car if they have chat gpt in cars mm-hmm. <laughs> the car would be able to uh tell you uh reference different historical points on where you are in the world and what mm. could possibly happen to you mm. Mm. in that scenario well they've already had they've already had a big fight with ai i guess 
earlier with them um, like discovery like there's a whole season that's basically a fight against ai from taking over right mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting to think that i mean so much of so much of star trek is about you know figuring out whether ais have rights you know and, and all that kind of stuff. it's you know and it it presupposes it presupposes i think a different future than what we're envisioning uh, with how ai is being integrated into everything that we do and say um and i feel like it's interesting to be really looking down the barrel of something that Star Trek did not anticipate, which is, you know, our reliance or our presumed reliance mm-hmm. in the future on AI, you know? I yeah. feel that the next episode we're going to talk about of Lower Decks uh, with the Ferengi planet um, is actually closer to the future of our own future with the constant advertisements everywhere yeah. <laughs> and being yeah. sold things and knowing things about you before you even step foot in the restaurants uh that's a lot closer to where i think yeah we're frankie yeah i think, we're so. frankie. So, yeah, <laughs> I think we're close we're definitely closer to the ferengis than any i think so yeah uh, so I think funny. of, um, I, I keep thinking of, um, there, I mean, there've been so many like books and movies that have done like little quick, like throwaway, like things like that, where like, Jesus, that's bleak. But like, I think it was on TV of the night, but um, Minority Report, Tom Cruise movie, there's a whole mm-hmm. bit in that movie about how um, your, your eyes, uh, you know, basically you get eye scanned wherever you go, including like the gap. So they can basically do a tailored mm-hmm audio visual ad for you about how you probably need new jeans and it's just like i remember seeing yeah. that like 20 years ago and it's like oh, that's funny and now i'm like jesus that's bleak like that's all too yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean we truly get t- tailored you know specific content through instagram all the time i mean that's how sure. i bought how i bought a shirt i wore yesterday <laughs> because adina menzel did a, a um brand sponsorship with bike athletic and then i had to i had to buy the bike thing you know it's a whole yeah. thing anyway. sure yeah. sure sure yeah you know um we we have um smart speakers in our house and i have to tell you there have been so many times where we've said something in conversation within the confines of the house and then all of a sudden it shows up on our internet searches you know and it's not like we just it's not like we said hey you know alexa you know like let's do this and it's more just like we're just having a normal conversation without the computer involved and then so yeah. like i don't know what that is i don't know what that is because that happens whether you have an alexa or a google or not it might be your phone anyway it's your phone yeah i think it's your phone yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. i don't think alexa i'm like i think alexa's waiting for her wake word but i think your phone is listening yeah yeah (laughs) well my phone is hearing a lot of nasty stuff (laughs) (laughs) just kidding but it is creepy that that happens. We are, though. And I coming... wish it didn't. Yeah, it definitely is. We, though, are coming to just about, I think, the the end of our time tonight, though. Do you guys have any final thoughts or recommendations on this episode or things you've been watching and, and like to recommend to folks? Um, Bueller? No? Bueller? Okay. Anyone? Bueller? <laughs> Bueller? Anyone? Uh, not since last we spoke okay <laughs> wonderful but you're, you told a story you told a story earlier that i wanted to share a similar story when you're about your um midsummer night's dream musical in high school yeah tell um, us. i have not i have not seen the barbie movie however my english teacher in high school wrote a play called toxic barbie and I was cast as Barbie. He said something to me. I remember like, as soon as I saw you, I knew you were my Barbie like that. (laughs) And, but like in a, not in a creepy way, but in just, but also kind of a weird thing to say. And, (laughs) and it was about um, Barbie lives in her perfect world and her perfect mansion is, and everything is perfect. And then along come, in a very Rocky Horror Picture Show kind of way, along come some, like, regular uggos, regular people. And uh, then they regular have Regular uggos is what you said? Yeah, I was like, yeah. Because it, it was, but it's kind of set up, it was kind of set up that way in a weird way. Like, you're beautiful, you're not so beautiful. And mm-hmm. um, I 
I did not feel beautiful as the Barbie in that show. It was awkward for me because I had to wear a very big blonde wig and they dressed me up and I felt like I looked like a drag queen as Barbie, which in high school I was very self-conscious about. And, but I had to, the, the part of this, that is strange to me. And I remember complaining about it, but I did it anyway, is they called assemblies for the whole school to watch this show and (laughs) mandatory every single person in the school had to watch this show. So I had to do it several times a day. Um, And I'm looking back on it with fondness, but at the time I was very embarrassed, but I did it. I did my best because I enjoyed doing it. It was fun. But then the thought of like forcing people in the school that I don't like because I'm in the I'm in the drama club and the art club and there's all these other people that I don't care about. Forcing them to watch the show was very embarrassing to me. It's one thing if you're voluntarily coming to watch the show. Right. But several assemblies, several times a day. Everybody in the school. That seems watch, excessive. I, I can remember this. us doing like in high school, we did like one performance maybe for the other school. Like we do like one act of a play we yeah. were doing, but yeah. several assemblies seems like. Yeah, no, because they wanted to excessive. make sure that everybody in the school saw the play. So to talk, yeah. to... Got toxic Barbie's important yeah. message. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, um, what was that message? It's, it's just um, not everything is perfect, I guess. It's okay to be not. It's okay to be not perfect. It's okay to. It's not... okay to, to be okay. Yeah. Okay. I got yeah. That. Um. So I assume that's what the Barbie movie is about, and it's probably <laughs> ripped mean, exactly from that. So. Yeah, I, I thought you knew it because you uh, you were you starred in the Barbie movie. I thought you knew all about it because. <laughs> You played Toxic Barbie in it. You were there, I saw. So <laughs> I was a version of Barbie and I I did get made fun of. But as far as getting made fun of for being Barbie, it wasn't as <laughs> like because there's worse things I could have been made fun of. Like being king of the fairies. <laughs> <laughs> Harry, I, I, I feel this pain because I was in uh, we didn't have drama club in high school, but we did have we did musical shows uh, every fall and every spring. And we had a preview week uh, before we would uh, run it for two weekends in a row. And then, you know, during that preview week, like the Wednesday before the show would open, there was a mandatory assembly where everyone would come down and watch like an edited version of the show. Um, mm. And you know, I went to a very large high school uh, in suburban, uh, you know, uh, in suburban PA, um, uh, close to about like fifteen hundred students. So it was all one assembly of everyone in your world, uh, basically, yeah. just kind of. And um, it was nerve wracking, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, you know, it's not fun. Even when it was fun, it was not fun. So I think That's, the lesson here is it's yeah. not fun to perform for your peers unless they want to be there yeah <laughs> want to be there oh if they want to be yeah. there that's completely don't different don't force yeah. don't force the whole varsity football team to come watch mm. the show our no, teacher I, would circumvent that by making them be like she'd always get like this varsity soccer team to come be like a bunch of extra scotsmen and brigadoon or you know <laughs> <laughs> which just meant that that like there was a chance uh, to be bullied at play rehearsal you know? yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah yeah it's especially fun when you it's especially fun when you have to start the assembly. Um, you know, like you have the opening number, maybe it's you and against the black uh, a curtain, which did happen at least once. So um it took yeah. me a while. It took me a while to realize that boys were making fun of me. It took me a while in my life to realize that boys were making fun of me because they were attracted to me. Yeah. Like right. it didn't, it didn't hit me that they were actually just they were um they're flirting um, <laughs> in their dumb boy way. Uh, harassing. It's sexual harassment. Sh- I didn't realize it. I didn't realize it was sexual harassment at, yeah. at the time. <laughs> From a high school perspective. Oh, the 90s. What a time. <laughs> yeah. what, a, what a time the 90s were. 
this, <sighs> this feels like a good button on an episode that's all about discussing two episodes about people channeling their emotions badly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Well, well, on that note, we should we should bring things to a close. Um, thanks for joining us for another fun episode of the Prime Subjective. Woo um, woo. Um, <laughs> and then I think we can all leave you by just saying one word together, and that word is moopsie. Here we go. One, <laughs> two, three. Moopsie. <laughs>